Welcome to Lamestream here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. My name is Steve Cavendish. You can follow me at Scavendish on Twitter. Please rate us. Please review us. Please subscribe. And when you do so, smash that subscribe button for us. I would also add in a more delicate tone, just tell one person about the show. Just do us a favor and tell one person about the show. That's all. I don't think that's asking too much of the audience, Steve. Isn't that, isn't that like the, the Schwab shampoo, uh, the, swab, the Schwab shampoo thing? They told two friends and so on and so on and so on. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just going to say I'm way younger than you. <laughs> that was, that was mean spirited. I'm sorry. Um, also, I don't think you're sorry. Oh, <laughs> not really. Uh, also, our contest from last week, talk about, uh, again, if you see an example or if you hear an example, please record it and send us a link and or a video or a piece of audio uh, at 440 Sports on Twitter or Facebook. Hashtag talk about. Hashtag uh, talk about. Whoever gives us the most of those will get a $100 gift card from Four Top Hospitality, a bunch of great restaurants in the city, uh, Etch, etc., Char, Jasper, Amerigo. Saltine, Amerigo. So great restaurant. You get a $100 gift card. We're giving that away by the end of the new year. So again, send us some stuff at 440 Sports on Twitter. Hashtag talk about. It can be anything. It can be a recording off your phone. It could be a link off the internet, any of that stuff. So make sure you do that. Uh, Nate Rao is going to be our guest today on the show. He is with the Tennessee Lookout, formerly of the Tennessean, has been covering sort of politics and business along with sports business in this town for a very long time. And in our opinion, is the definitive voice on this big ordeal that is taking place to potentially try to bring Major League Baseball to the city of Nashville. So we are going to get into a very thorough, very detailed conversation with him about what you need to know about what's actually happening with, with baseball and Nashville, Tennessee, and expansion in the MLB. But first, Steve, uh, we, we are all things authority on media and sports media in the city of Nashville. As we've said, judge, jury, and executioner here on Lamestream, and especially when it's one of my own. I got to take care of one of my own. And Chris Lee of Vandy Sports, who's been covering Vanderbilt, I don't know, 15, 20 years, as long as, I can, as, long as I've ever known the guy, runs VandySports.com, the officially licensed site of the Rivals.com network, and of course, the VandySports.com podcast that is on this sports network. So there was a bit of a kerfuffle this past week as Vanderbilt and Tennessee played. He was not getting credentialed. He had had his credentialed, I don't want to say pulled, from Vanderbilt, but he was not able to cover the team in the press box. Now, there is limited spacing in most press boxes right now. There was supposed to be a rotation for the Vanderbilt football games. There were some people that had been in there for every single game. He was not one of them. I believe he was in the box for press box for two games. And he was not given a credential for the Tennessee game. And a bunch of media people came to his aid and eventually pressured Vanderbilt into giving him a credential for the Tennessee game. Your thoughts on all of the different dynamics at play to take one of the, yes, most critical, but also most thorough reporters of Vanderbilt sports out of the press box if you're the Vanderbilt Commodore or Vanderbilt University. Is there really that much of a supply and demand problem in the Vanderbilt press box? That is a fair first question. Seriously, I mean, I mean, I've been in the uh, Titans press box and the and and the Nashville SC press box, which is bigger, a little more spacious, but they didn't really reduce the they didn't, they didn't reduce capacity over there. They just put up all the precautions necessary in order for people to be able to work in a safe environment. My problem, my problem with what Vanny's doing here is a, a symptom of covering sports in the COVID age, 
which is that SIDs and communications operations for pro teams have used this by and large to restrict access. You can't go in the locker room anymore. You only have stuff, you only have access to them by Zoom calls. They limit the amount of time in a post game, you know, whereas in a post game press conference, you know, you could, you could pepper a, a, a coach or a player or whatever else afterwards for two, three, five, 10, 20 minutes about something and they would answer your questions until you were done. You know, now you queue up in Zoom and, you know, they, they have the ability to, and they do cut you off. And it's very, very limited. And so access and the ability to be in there to watch the game is is another function of this. And I don't know, Vanderbilt ought to be figuring out, they could set up an auxiliary press box somehow in the stands because God knows there was space available in that stadium. You can't figure out how to get another journalist in there. Yeah, That just seems to me to be kind of asinine. So so one big market force is that you have to just keep in mind, remember every single sports team on in every sport that you like would prefer that like no reporters ever go to games <laughs> or ever or ever talk to their personnel players, coaches, administrators, because if nobody ever talks, then they can control everything and they can massage and mold their public image to how they see fit. And that is not how the world works. I, I will say that the other force on this is that I think we are living in a time where like being mean to someone on Twitter is perceived as like this huge threat. And I just don't understand that saying a critical thing about someone on Twitter, an organization, a coach, a player, a president. It's just ridiculous that we are so sensitive about what, like, take me, for example, who cares what I say on Twitter about your university? Like you, you have a billion dollar endowment. Like it doesn't matter what I have to say. There may be some Vandy fans that care about what I have to say. Well, when you're trying to preserve the sterling reputation of Vanderbilt in football and you know, that, (laughs) the, you know, the, the Teflon plating of a nine and O record, you know, I understand kind of how <laughs> they true. would want to do this. They're, they're, oh, wait. They're, on the, they're on the verge of a playoff berth that, that, you know, the committee is looking at everything right now. If there was relegation in the SEC, they would be kicked out this year. Well, and, and I don't think it's just, again, I don't think it's just a Vanderbilt problem or an SEC problem or a college sports problem. I think it's like a huge worldly problem where we just can't yeah. handle a little criticism that we assume the world is perfect and that everyone's perfect. And, and the control of this information and silencing anybody that has anything critical to say about anything else in the world is just one. Of, it is bad for all of us. There's a small subset of, and I don't want to paint this with an absolute brush. It's a small subset of SIDs and, and team communications folks. I mean, the, the, the Titans folks, for example. I mean, Titans folks do not give a shit what you say about them. They have the thickest skins in the world and they understand that they're the NFL. I mean, they understand that you on Twitter cannot affect them. And I wish more people would understand that same thing as well. And, and, and I don't have any particular individuals to call out with this, but every other sports franchise in the city is guilty of some of this to some yeah. degree. The Tennessee Titans are the only one that largely just don't care. And the Tennessee Titans, they are big because they're the NFL. They know they're big and they act big. <laughs> if if Anthony Ferkser drops a touchdown on the goal line at the end of a game to cost the Titans the game, he will be sitting there unattended answering questions from reporters until the reporters are done. And that is because the NFL doesn't care. They, they know that being critical is part of the game. It's just part of the game. And everyone else lives in their little safe space where they you can't say anything negative. Everyone's too careful. It's okay. It's healthy for everyone to have multiple perspectives. Sometimes that's going to be a little critical. 
give Chris Lee his damn credential back. Thank you, Vanderbilt. End of rant. All right. Coming up a little bit later on, we will have ratings and Rex after the interview. Are we ready to go with Nate Rao? Speaking of Twitter. <laughs> so a couple of weeks ago on Twitter, twitter.com, a site you may be familiar <laughs> with, I, somebody was talking about, uh, they had tweeted this, uh, a link to a story that was in the Tennessean and it was the latest press release from the, the major league baseball organizing group here. That's trying to bring, trying to do something to bring baseball to, uh, that's as kind as I can be here. So you don't have to be kind. So, so they tweet out this, this link and I had flippantly responded as I sometimes do on Twitter and called it a Ponzi scheme. Now it's not actually a Ponzi scheme, but there is just no, it is, it is the latest in a series of uncritical recitations that, that the Tennessean and the business journal have been really guilty of just loading up anytime they have a press release and uncritically kind of just, just blasting it out. I mean, they're, they're acting as a PR arm for this, for this group led by John Lohr and Alberto Gonzalez and, and a few other people that has no money, no organization, no, not deep ties to the community and no real way to bring major league baseball to Nashville, but they're out there, you know, promoting themselves as, as doing so. They've hired a couple of baseball people who were supposed to add baseball gravitas to it. Dave Dombrowski and Dave Stewart and Tony La Russa was attached to this before he went back to the White Sox. I was going to say, are any of them still attached to it? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, part of the thing that came out of this was, and, and Nate mentioned this in the, in the interview, is that Dombrowski took the, took the head job at the Phillies and on his way out the door, he said, eh, basically expansion is never happening in Nashville or it's not happening in basically his lifetime or his career lifetime. And I think Dabrowski's in his early 60s. There's this thing out there and they're trying to create a momentum for bringing baseball to Nashville. And I don't disagree with that. I don't have any, I don't have a problem with somebody but trying to bring be baseball. To, let's but, be very clear. We are not anti-baseball to Nashville. As two baseball fans, we are not anti-baseball to Nashville. No, but I mean, the most recent analog to this is the, the MLS expansion piece. And the MLS expansion piece was Will Alexander and Bill Haggerty originally leading this, this expansion group. And it gained real momentum and it caught the attention of the league when they brought in John Ingram, who is a capital B billionaire and has the ability to fund and to put together an ownership group with other capital B billionaires to bring MLS to Nashville. And until such point arises that real money comes into it, I, the press in this town needs to be a little more critical about this effort because they're just not right now. I think we were just talking about that. So here, here's this, essentially what you need to know. I, the, Nate's going to be awesome. Again, give him a follow on Twitter at TN Nate Rao, R-A-U. TennesseeLookout.com is the website. He will give you as thorough and as detailed a layout of everything that is unfolding right now in this process of trying to bring baseball to Nashville as possible. And he, all the questions that you have for this organization and for this movement are all the same questions that everybody in Nashville should have. And not just from a media standpoint, because that's clearly what they are focused on, meaning Music City Baseball. But here are all the things you need to know. You need to know how much money it's going to cost to pay Major League Baseball for an expansion franchise. You need to have 
money to build a stadium. You need to have a location worked out with a lot of different moving parts on where the stadium could be built. You have to have corporate sponsorship and partnerships set up. You need to have political will within the city to get these things passed through. The Titan Stadium is a big variable in all of this because there's a lot of money coming for the Titan Stadium renovation as well. So all of these things are all at play and Nate Rao will explain all of them for you. <laughs> so let's let him do the work here. Coming up a little bit later on, we will have ratings and recs after the interview. This is our conversation with Tennessee Lookouts, Nate Rao. First of all, Nate, thank you for giving us a few minutes of your time here on LameStream. And before we get into all the details and the minutia of what Major League Baseball and Nashville are doing right now to try to make the future of baseball in this city possible, give everybody a sense of, of sort of the breadth of your career covering both the city, stadiums, and, and how they all you know, sort of work together over time. Sure. Yeah. Thanks for uh, asking me to do this. I'm happy to, happy to talk about this topic as a huge baseball fan. So I'm uh, a longtime political reporter in Nashville. I, if people remember the Nashville City Paper, that was where I got my start covering Metro. And the very first issue I wrote about at the very first council meeting I covered was the city stadium deal with the Predators. And I've been reporting on uh, profession, the intersection of professional sports and Metro government, you know, since 2007 because of that. I, after uh, covering the city, I was on our, uh, the, at the Tennessean, I worked on the business team and I was the music business reporter, <clears throat> but that included covering professional sports, the business of professional sports. And so again, that was coverage of, you know, the convention and visitors bureaus, you know, sports efforts, the Titans deals, uh, the recruitment of the NFL draft to Nashville and a lot of coverage about uh, the Predators and just their health. I mean, people can't imagine now, but there was a time where the Predators were in such a precarious position, even with this ownership group, where we just didn't know if they were going to be successful. And a lot of my coverage was, well, what will that mean to this, you know, multi-hundred million dollar investment the city has on Lower Broadway? And as part of all of that, I frequently would do stories about, you know, the, the possibility of Nashville adding a third professional sports team. And then after the SEC, uh, after the SC came, uh, a fourth professional sports team, do we have the kind of market where that could work? And then earlier this year, I, you know, started working for the Tennessee Lookout, a new nonprofit media venture here in Nashville. And we've had a couple of different stories kind of examining this latest effort to bring professional baseball to Nashville, to bring major league baseball to Nashville. We obviously have a thriving uh, a minor league team in the sounds. And so uh, that's, that's sort of my background on and reporting on this issue. So let's get people up to speed. Who's involved in this effort to bring major league baseball to Nashville right now? Well, the effort is being led by a businessman who spent much of his career in California named John Lohr. He's a newcomer to Nashville. You know, Steve and I live in a world where we know most of the key, you know, political and business players in town. And this was someone that I'd never heard of before he launched this effort. He has some notable uh, folks backing him uh, or supporting his, his effort, including the former U.S. Attorney General under President Bush, Alberto Gonzalez, who is now the dean of the Belmont uh, Law School. 
and he has other business men and women in town who have who have supported him in some ways and in some cases given money to the cause and of course he has some celebrities who have joined in and are either backing it and just saying they support it or or, or according to press releases have given money toward the cause and their goal is to bring an expansion team expansion MLB team to Nashville to build a stadium on the east bank of the Cumberland River just I guess south of where the Titan Stadium is and they're very transparent that they know this is a long-term effort it's not something that they're pretending is going to happen anytime soon but there are of course like a great deal of skeptics (laughs) about whether this is plausible or not. Uh, that's you can't see this it's me nodding my head <laughs> in, uh, in in skepticism so I- explain since you've seen sort of almost the predators leave right and and we saw nashville sc as a soccer club come here an ownership group sort of spin up out of thin air with a, a main cog and john ingram and then he brings in other families can you try to explain to people what major league baseball would be looking for do they want one person in charge do they want it to be a group that you know how does that function and how does that work when when it comes to baseball's perspective looking at nashville as a viable option or not well in terms of the ownership group when you're a sports fan you think about the owner of your team and it's one person and we we get it in our head that that's the guy that owns my team like i'm a chicago bulls fan and so jerry reinsdorf owns the team but in reality, it is usually an investment group with one principal owner, or maybe they own the largest share of the team. But when it comes to MLB, they are just famously guarded about who they let into their fraternity of owners. It's very difficult to purchase a team. I mean, obviously, it's very expensive, and that goes without saying. But the qualifications to get approved to, for an expansion team or to purchase a team to relocate. I mean, it's, it is as highly vetted as you would expect a multi-billion dollar transaction to be. I mean, we did see this with Nashville with the SC. I mean, John Ingram is one of the most, you know, renowned businessmen, billionaire, uh, you know, underscore B billionaire uh, here in Nashville and he took on numerous high profile investors, including the owner of the Minnesota Vikings. So it's a very expensive endeavor. It requires hundreds of millions of dollars in equity to be the pr- principal owner. Then you have, that's real money, right? Like you've got to put that money up. And we saw that with the Predators when they were on the brink of leaving town, the group that came together to buy them were cobbled together. These were folks that didn't know each other in some cases. And there were some out of, out of state businessmen, one of whom ended up getting indicted as part of his involvement in that transaction. So it's very complicated, very expensive. And, you know, the wealthiest people that you could, if you think like, who are the businessmen and women in, in town, in whatever town you're in, that you know, they can't buy a pro sports team on their own. Almost none of them can. It takes multiple investors coming together to make a deal like that work. There's a real question, at least in my mind, about why would Major League Baseball expand? It's one thing if you get another team, if there's a team that's in play and you and you brought them here. I mean, everybody talks about the everybody talks about the 
Tampa Bay Devil Rays as the or Tampa Rays or Tampa whatever it is they're calling them these days but talks about them in terms of being like the most obvious target for the the shitty stadium that they play in the the lack of revenue there locally the, the the lack of you know lack of money that's been put into that franchise and yet they haven't moved and part of that is because these these uh, Major League Baseball vetting, these vetting rules. My question is, is why would Major League Baseball expand in general, given the size that they, that they are already? Well, I think that it's always something that pro sports leagues are pondering or are at least rumored to be pondering. But it's become even more salient with the pandemic. And I mean, you had you had one full season and probably the ramifications are going to last much longer than that of just tremendous financial hit. You know, the NFL is the number one sports league and they're going to see their salary cap for each of their teams go down next season. So you can supplement what you lost from this from 2020's, you know, wash of a season by adding revenue that would come from the expansion fees that new teams would pay to enter the league. So if Nashville were to be approved, the ownership group would pay a fee of we don't know what, but in the in recent coverage, they said it's going to be in the neighborhood of a billion dollars and that's spread among the other teams' ownership groups to make up for what they lost. So there's this idea that there's this mo- a motivation to expand more quickly because of the pandemic. But I'll say... There's also pushing back against that and kind of on the other side of that is that Commissioner Manfred has said he wants the stadium situations in their insecure markets, which are Tampa and Oakland, addressed before he adds another team or teams. And so, yes, I I do think that it's very possible that MLB expands, but they want to make sure that the existing franchises are on solid ground first. And that's just such a question mark in those two cities. And I think a, a couple others would be on that list not far behind. Of the list of people that we're talking about that are involved in this, though, there's no... There's no capital B billionaire. Like, for instance, one of the interesting things with with the MLS bid, it was this idea that Bill Haggerty and, and Will Alexander were kind of leading, and there was some money behind it, but they didn't have that kind of capital B billionaire, and then John Ingram got involved. And all of a sudden, within a year, not only do they have the stadium deal done, but they have the agreement with MLS. It, it was a really compressed period of time, but that, that's the power of – I mean, that's the power of the right rich person running the, the bid. There's not that attached to the current bid for MLB right now. What's out there? And matter of fact, they, they have a public offering. We were looking at the SEC filing here just a little bit ago before we went on air. They were like actually issuing shares and selling shares of this thing. What's that? And then what do they need in order to be able to, to be a real thing? Well... They had one of their more prominent backers, you know, the front office executive, Dave Dombrowski, take the job leading the baseball operation of the Philadelphia Phillies last week. And in the coverage of Dombrowski taking that job, he said one of the reasons he took it and left the Nashville expansion effort is because he was told by Major League Baseball that expansion is further away than what he had initially thought or hoped for. And multiple reports said the expansion fee would be a billion dollars. And obviously that's approximate because there's no a formal expansion effort. But I think we can safely assume that that's approximately correct. And you're right. They have, they've been fundraising for about a little over a year. 
they did an initial offering and then they actually offered more shares. So they have, they've sold, they've disclosed. So it's possible that they have more investment than what is publicly disclosed, but they've disclosed about $3 million in investment. So, I mean, just a minuscule fraction of what they would need to pull off the expansion fee alone. And, and that's other, on top of other costs, right? Like there's the stadium, which they vowed wouldn't cost the taxpayers extra money. <laughs> and so like, you know, it's, they're a drop in the bucket of where they need to be to make it happen. Like $3 million is a couple of, a couple of mental relievers. Right. And, not, and, and nobody else around them right now. Yeah, there's, I'm, I'm double checking it while we're talking, but yeah, I think they're at, actually, forgive me, I'm going to have to issue a correction. They've sold 2.2 million and their goal is 5.5 million. So this is basically the marketing effort. That, that That's all this is. Yeah. And, and it was this uncertainty about the finances of, of the ownership side that led me to write a column, you know, in the lookout a few weeks ago where I'm a huge Chicago Cubs fan. And when the Cubs president, Theo Epstein, left, the Cubs beat reporters said, this is, he's not going to just take the next GM job. And, you know, he won a World Series with the, he won two with the Red Sox. He won one with the Cubs. It doesn't get any more, you know, iconic than that. So they theorized that his next move would be to join an expansion effort and build something, own a team and build it from the ground up. And I had been hearing rumors, but didn't have them confirmed at the time that, you know, former governor Bill Haslam, who is a capital B billionaire, maybe was interested in some sort of baseball effort in Nashville. And it was nothing that I had formally confirmed. So I wrote a column that just said, if expansion in Nashville is going to take place, maybe an Epstein uh, Haslam merger could be the thing to pull it off not this group that's out here so far which people have like really big questions about but maybe you know someone with you know Haslam's political connections because the politics of this which we haven't gone into yet are just really tough right now in Nashville and and Epstein's you know success track record would be the kind of thing that could that could make reporters like me and political insiders think this has legs because right now to be honest just to be just to be totally blunt I don't think people really think that the the current music city baseball effort is is going to happen it, but they had a press release last week saying that hootie had joined the uh, had right. joined the ownership group Darius Drucker, yeah and and look there's celebrities that join ownership groups so i don't mean to i don't want to you know i i get why they're doing that it's just they don't have the finances and the political climate in nashville right now i know you didn't ask me about this yet but the political climate oh, it's coming right now is just not we're it's not there right the soccer stadium isn't up yet i think the city wants that to be successful they just signed a new lease agreement with the predators at bridgestone the city wants that to be successful and then long term the titans they i think that the city and the political leaders want to make sure that the titans are financially secure at nissan stadium and so you have a city that raised taxes, the largest tax increase in the history of Metro government, just to make ends meet, right? To make sure we didn't fire teachers and firefighters. That's what that was about. And so I, the, the, the political climate is not right. You have a mayor who's a, who's a very, who at least campaigned on being a very nuts and bolts mayor in John Cooper. And you know, in his own words, he, he believes, you know, he was hired to fix things. And one of the things 
he campaigned on was fewer corporate deals. I guess, you know, if you want to call it, you know, corporate welfare type deals, but they're really incentives that the city has been giving out over the last 10 or 15 years to recruit businesses here. And it's worked. We've become a job magnet for major corporations. But Cooper ran saying, let's focus on just the nuts and bolts of government. Let's build sidewalks. Let's build the schools we need. And he's just not the kind of mayor who is clamoring for deals like this. Now, what he has said on the record is anyone that has an idea can take it to me and I'll look at it and it's got to be good for the taxpayers. And he actually said in an interview I did with him for The Lookout, he thinks that maybe we're at a point as a city where if it involves professional sports and it involves a capital investment in facilities that the taxpayers should get to vote on it, that, that, that citizens should get to vote and there should be a referendum similar to how the Titan Stadium was approved. And so you have a, a, a city that's, I don't want to say struggling financially because that might go too far, but you have a city that it just is coming off this bruising you know, budget fight you have a mayor who uh, believes we should invest in neighborhoods and do uh, more city service type focused government. And you, you have major commitments that have just been made to others, professional sports teams that just make any ownership group coming in, nonetheless, one that doesn't have the capital, uh, a long shot at best. Obviously we're, we're on a media show here and a lot of politics and a lot of voting and a lot of referendums and all that stuff is, is, you know, built around campaigning. And if what you're saying, and I think most people agree that there's not a ton of actual financial backing for this yet to date, the, the whole, isn't the whole entire point of bringing on celebrities and sports figures and, and, and is to gain the publicity so that eventually when you do take it to the public, you've got a bunch of people Nashvilleians who are sort of already aware of what's going on because oh you know like you said Darius Rucker or Eddie George or whoever's attached to it that all of a sudden they feel more comfortable with the idea sort of take us through the calculus of of getting the celebrities on board sort of laying a foundation for I guess what is a future debate right well yeah I think that is the calculus the the ownership group has a high-priced PR firm and they have been giving stories to the Tennessean every time they add a celebrity from our music industry to their ownership group. I'm talking about Justin Timberlake got a press release, got a story in the Tennessean. As Steve just mentioned, Darius Rucker. I'm, I'm certain that I'm forgetting others. The honky tonk owner, Steve Smith, who's one of the more prominent businessmen maybe notorious businessmen, <laughs> one of the more notorious businessmen in town is in their ownership group. I mean, obviously, when you've got the former United States Attorney General uh, on your board of directors, and uh, Alberto Gonzalez, you've got folks people have heard of. And that, I guess the hope is that legitimizes the effort and either attracts other investors or wins the court of public opinion so that when this does come to the point where the public gets to weigh in, they're more sympathetic. But I'll just say you where they are in their effort they don't need to win they don't need to win over joe citizen they need to win over the chair of the metro council budget and finance committee <laughs> and they need to win over the finance director and the mayor and those folks have more pressing concerns 
than whether Darius Rucker gave $10,000 to an ownership group. And so, you know, I, I couldn't speculate about what these celebrity investments will mean, but I know that they don't change the political dynamic. And, you know, I, I really question the, I, I question the PR strategy of announcing you have investors when there's a public document showing you're significantly short of your own goal of fundraising $5.5 million. So yeah, I, I guess they're drawing attention to the, that people are investing, but they're not reaching their own goal according to the SEC filings. You say the, the goal is five and a half. Explain to people why, you know, where the other 995 million will come from, will come from. like, cause it says their if their goal is only five and a half, that, that's still obviously a, a fraction of a percent of what the expansion fee could be. Right. Well, I think that there are upfront costs just for doing what they're doing now. And just to get the Music City Baseball Organization, quote unquote, off the ground uh, takes money. And so they're not saying we've got 5.5, so we're there yet. But none of this, I guess my point is that none of the celebrities who have invested, as far as we know, have put like real capital behind it. We just don't know. It's not in the SEC filings. It's not, forgive me if I'm wrong, Steve. I don't think it's in any of the stories that the Tennessean has done, like how much money they're getting from Timberlake or or, uh, Darius. And I think there've been a few others that have joined in. And that's what to me has been the fascinating sort of part of this is that it seems like these are press release sort of you you're trying to you're trying to win the press release as opposed to you know actually build an ownership organization here you're you're putting these things out in order to to have visibility and in order to remind people that you're still there remind the Tennessee and sports editors that you're still there not necessarily to if if Justin Timberlake was was actually was actually going to be the managing partner in a baseball group you know he'd have to put it put down several hundred million dollars i think that would have been much more notable than the fact that, hey, he just joined this group with everybody else here. I mean, it seems to me that this is a massive PR campaign and nothing else right now. Well, the other part of it that is really puzzling to me, just as a huge professional sports fan, is the number of announcements they've rolled out, putting the cart way before the horse and doing it much differently than is typically done. I mean, they've announced where their stadium's going to go, and that's, you know, <laughs> very troubled politically because of the prime reals. There might not be any more valuable real estate in the Southeast than the <laughs> East Bank of the Cumberland River across from downtown in Nashville. So, so where they want to put it. So, and we've got a trash heap there. <laughs> well, so for, for people who don't know, I mean, the white whale of, I'm counting backwards, four or five different, maybe even, even more mayoral administrations has been, what can we do to get PCS metals off of East Bank of the Cumberland River? Because that is, every city planner will tell you that like the activation between East Nashville and, and, and downtown stops at that sort of plot of land. And if you can sort of build something that connects all of that, it is an enormous boon to downtown, enormous boon to the city. You'd be able to expand the entertainment district that is the honky-tonk area you know, another half mile to the east with a stadium and with all the attendant businesses, you know, if you didn't, if it was more than just the stadium, which is what Nissan Stadium is right now, if you were able to have, you know, besides just the stadium and lots, but you had, you know, hotels and restaurants and, and all, and, and things kind of growing up around it organically, 
mayors have been trying to do this forever. And Carl Icahn, who is the, the main capital B billionaire <laughs> behind the company that owns that metal scrapyard and has owned it for decades, you know, just hasn't wanted to budge. Yeah, they, they did a, another media rollout of their plan. I believe the National Business Journal reported on it first to put the ballpark on the this piece of property that the city owns. It's, a, it's actually a little bit north of the PSC metal site. And so what's there right now, people might be familiar with Cumberland Park uh, right on the river. And then I guess if you go on the other side of the pedestrian bridge, there's some land. That, bridge buildings right there. Right. And the Titans you, actually are contractually, uh, the land is contractually obligated to them for parking. And so you're talking about another legal hurdle, which is the Titans uh, have the rights to the, the sports authority owns the land and leases it to the Titans. That's a major hurdle, right? Because the Titans can exercise extensions on their current lease that would keep them at the stadium for many, many years. So then you're back to the land you're talking about which is psc metals and if that was such a simple prospect it would have been gone generate a generation ago so yeah the, and, I mean, the, and that's to say nothing of the 102 million dollars that the city still owes at the sounds the new sounds ballpark in germantown so which we wrote about at the lookout and i think others have reported on too i mean you've got a really successful ballpark district it's triple a in germantown and I think in the last two weeks, plans for a new residential development right around First Horizon Park have been announced. So what do you do with, I mean, that's another, <laughs> what do you do with that? And the, I asked the uh, Music City Baseball that question and their answer was, we'll work it out. I mean, whatever we have to do, we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll meet the bond <laughs> obligations and we'll help figure out that question. But the Sound's lead owner, Frank Ward, told me he wasn't interested in partnering with them and uh, and so that is just another layer of doubt on top of everything else I just mentioned so we, we've got major questions about the financial validity of their ability to purchase either an expansion club or move a team from a financial standpoint and actually own own uh, put together a group that the MLB would be satisfied with vetting we've got land that they want to use that they don't own in either situation and in another ballpark that's already got the city a little underwater, but is, but is to your point is, is growing very rapidly. And in five to eight years, you can see that area just being a beautiful place to, to be, you know, I guess the question is with all these celebrities attached to it, the question is how, how legitimately should baseball fans be taking all of this in Nashville or are they being fed you know, this, this dream that like, we're all going to have toilets made of solid gold and penguins that bark our name. Like, I just don't understand what, how reasonably should people be thinking about this right now? Some great penguins. Right now. I don't think people should think it's very reasonable, but I will say the dynamics that make Nashville a great place for the predators and the Titans and the SC make it a great place for a hypothetical MLB franchise. I mean, we have tourists that come through that would go to games. I'm, I'm certain of that. You know, we have the hotel capacity where people are traveling pre-pandemic, of course, they're traveling to Nashville in greater numbers than ever. I think each of those franchises have, have shown, well, maybe it's premature on uh, the SC, but I, the Preds and the Titans, you know, their success, we've been ranked the number one professional sports city in the, in the country. So, 
I mean, I think that we have more corporations moving here who would want to sponsor and partner with the franchise. We've got a tourism market where people would visit more residents. You know, we're growing across Middle Tennessee and we're kind of in between. Like, I've heard people say that our location makes our fans divided between the Reds and the Braves and the Cardinals. I don't know about you guys. I don't buy that at all. I mean, people, you're wearing, a, you're a Mets fan. Uh, you know, I'm a Cubs fan. People move here from all over the country. They've got different baseball allegiances. I don't think that it's some complication about whether people dump the Braves for a new Nashville team or the Reds, certainly not the Cardinals. I mean, I don't think our media market associates itself with those. I mean, the closest you could say is Atlanta, but that's just tradition, right? Like if we had a Preds-like MLB franchise here, people would be interested. <clears throat> you have all the reasons why it's hard to maintain, like look at Milwaukee, look at Cleveland, it, it's hard to keep fans coming and, and to contend. So th those challenges would be there. But people look at Nashville and they see vibrant tourism, vibrant entertainment, more corporate partnership possibilities. And it, it, it makes sense for why we'd be in contention. But so would half a dozen other cities, right? I mean, Charlotte and Las Vegas and Montreal and Oklahoma City, and I know I'm going to forget a few, are all great media markets that want another team too so i don't i don't know i think it's a desirable place to expand the only options for us left in pro sports are basketball and baseball and basketball is not going to happen because of the predators you know winter time success at our one building so baseball is the only thing it could be and so those are the reasons why long term if the right owner did come along it could it could come together i think but we're so far away from that happening you know, I'm not going to criticize the Tennessean because I think it's a story when the biggest one of the biggest music artists in the city, you know, joins an investment group for a major business opportunity to bring a professional sports franchise. That that is a story, but there's context, right? And there's the political realities, and it's it's not just a sports story; it's a business story and a and a political story, and and those are complicated. One of the things that came up in the in the push for MLS was the idea of MLS within a market that you already had the NFL and NHL. And 17 to 20 home dates a year, depending upon tournaments and other stuff and, and preseason, is what you're talking about for, for a soccer team. And so when they build the stadium, it'll be 30,000 people. That's, that's what you're looking to pull. If you have a 40,000 seat baseball stadium at 162 games a year, half of which are home, so you know 80 dates a year, that's a diff that's a significantly different question than a soccer schedule or an NFL schedule that is, you know, 10 dates a year, you know, it's eight in the regular season and two and two preseason. Is there an economic risk with baseball that doesn't exist in other sports because of the because of what you have to pull to the stadium on a regular basis? Well, yeah, it's more of a challenge, but there's more of a benefit too, right? Like you've got eight, it, even if you draw a fraction of that 20,000 fans a night, 25,000 fans a game, 80 times a year, that would all be coming down to a new hypothetical entertainment district. But yeah, it's more challenging. And like I said at the beginning, I think part of the thing, if you're Metro, if you're the politicians in our city is, don't you want to make the existing 
deals successful first? Don't you want to secure a longer term deal for the Titans? Don't you want the Predators uh, to continue to thrive? You know, they just entered into a new deal, which lucky for Metro saw a lot of the economic burden shift for that lease agreement from the city paying out lease uh, payments to the owners, to the owners taking on those responsibilities. And so here during the pandemic where they've had no fans, the Predators owners are uh, are facing that burden at, that would have been on the taxpayers. Is it and actually then, like 3.8 million or whatever the yearly number was? And look at the SC. I mean, Mayor Cooper got into office and he renegotiated that deal. He wanted to make sure he had the best deal possible for taxpayers. That was a long, painful process behind closed doors, much of it. But it was, you know, Steve, you know, it was very, it was really a bruising fight between yeah. a new mayor and, and one of the most successful business people in, in our community. So that was just to think that, that, that. And that was, and that was over a number that was, you know, essentially what, $30 million, 30, it was a deal that was already approved. Yeah. And so to think that, anyway, I know, I know I'm kind of repeating myself in the political challenges, but yes, pro baseball is a lot harder to make successful than soccer or, or even, or even uh, hockey, certainly football. And so I think that the city is looking at uh, a brand new deal that uh, building that's not built yet and, and an upcoming expiring lease or, or, or possibly expiring lease with the Titans and it's hard for them to pivot to something new and more expensive. I want to ask you about the Titans stadium in just a minute, but let me float one more to you about the baseball location. How viable and how do the dynamics change if it's across the county line? If it's down in Williamson County, Thompson Station, you know, whatever, how do the dynamics change and, and sort of the decision-making change then? Nashville has remained the entertainment hub instead of the suburban counties for a reason, right? People want to come to Nashville. And so I think the dynamic gets much worse if they've got to look outside the county for drawing fans. I mean, the tourists who come here aren't, aren't frequent with all due respect to my, to my friends in Wilson County. They're not, they're not really hitting up Wilson County uh, or, or Rutherford County or, or Williamson County. So I know the Braves have seen, you know, some success with their nearby ballpark outside of downtown. And so I don't want to say that like it couldn't happen, but I just think it's a lot harder sell to financers because downtown Nashville is the downtown area is so desirable. I mean, I, I don't know what you guys think. I just think that where we are as a city, if, if Williamson County was so desirable, you'd see more, you'd see amphitheaters and music venues and things like that there. And you, you just don't see it yet. So I know they've got their one festival. Well, they tried to build that rock quarry. Is that still going yeah. on? The, the, the rock quarry concert venue or whatever. Yeah. So that thing, that thing has opened up recently. I think I've seen weddings and a few other things oh, really? shot out there. Uh, there's, there, there's one over off of 840, like around College Grove that, that's, that's gone up too. But I mean, you're talking about like, you know, 500 people. That's not a, you know, it's, it's not a big draw. So, so let's get to the Titans end of this. And I think both Amy Adams Strunk and the ownership group, as well as Butch Spiridon, have been fairly open about some of the goals and some of the, the dynamics at play, which is, I, I think... The reason I ask about this is because if we're talking about the city right now being hesitant to spend any extra dollars on anything, 
well, we've got a major Titans thing that's coming. They, we, we want the World Cup in this city, 2026. Everyone's on the record as saying there needs to be movement on the Titan Stadium and work on the Titan Stadium for that to happen and for Nashville to become a host city. Amy Adams Strunk is basically on the record as saying a renovation could happen, not a rebuild, not a new stadium. What do you anticipate from like a PR media battle? You know, we all know how the NFL works. Billionaire asks for threatens to leave city asking for money city generally either puts it on the ballot or gives them some money. How do you think that dynamic is all going to play out, which is sort of a separate question from baseball. How do you think all that plays out? And then the follow-up to that is how does that then affect what the baseball people are going to do after that? I don't know how it's going to play out, but if I had to guess, I think that we're Nashville is a football market and that's a facility that the city needs to be successful it's not just the eight Titans home games. It's the home of CMA Fest, which is wildly successful from an attendance pers- in terms of attendance. It's a bowl game. It's World Cup. And so I think if you're measure, I think that there's a lot of reasons why Nashville needs a large, a successful, large outdoor sports venue, enormous outdoor sports venue like Nissan Stadium. And so for those reasons, if and, and, and let's be honest, the Titans have been unabashed business success here. I mean, there's no you there's no one who thinks looking back like, well, that was a mistake that we approved the Titans. I mean, it's been a wild it's been wildly successful. It's helped the city from a marketing perspective. I think that you can debate how they financed it with the advantage of hindsight because they they scrounged together you know, water and sewer bonds to make the deal work. But I think the intangible value of being an NFL city and what, and not just attracting the draft and not just like the Monday night football marketing when they're in town, it, it, I think that it's been a success. And I don't, I think you'd be hard pressed to find anyone who doesn't think it's been a success. And so between the fact it's been a success, the fact that that facility is used, it's also home for TSU football games, a few games a year, so the fact that that facility is so important to the community, I think that you will see the city have an appetite to work out a deal that does refurbish the stadium and keeps the Titans here for, you know, generations. But I have, I don't have, I don't know whether it's going to happen or not. Those are really difficult deals to pull off. It doesn't seem to me like NFL, the cities are, are eager to see their NFL teams leave a uh, city of Oakland aside and so I think that there's a lot of motivation to, to make sure the Titans are here. And I could see that happening before, certainly before a baseball well, project comes together. So, so again, let's use some hypothetical numbers here, because again, uh, uh, you're looking at Atlanta and Vegas and Los Angeles, you're looking at a, about a $1.5, $2 billion price tag for a new NFL stadium. The number you normally hear roughly is about a 500, three to four to $500 million renovation to Nissan Stadium, whatever that may include, whether that's a roof or, you know, whatever. But the place is sort of dumpy and it needs a, a facelift and it's not cheap. So how is it that you can, because I agree with you, I think most people agree with you, having the NFL makes this city far more marketable, successful, financially viable, all those things. How, how, can, how then can we justify spending whatever percent of $500 million to fix a stadium and then looking at another, what, billion dollar, $2 billion price tag to, to bring in a baseball team and then build a facility for it. The, the Titans are in line before any hypothetical MLB project. 
I mean, that's just the way it is. And you, I don't know that you can justify it. I don't know how, I think for as much as the city will want to make it work with the Titans, the devil will obviously be in the details about how they pay for that. And I don't want to speculate about what that would look like, but I think there's going to be much more political will to make that happen and to keep a team that you have a successful relationship with and that helps run a 2020 was going to be the biggest year in Nissan stadium history in terms of number of events. Uh, I mean, you've got the soccer club playing there uh, temporarily. They, they have been focusing on booking more concerts. There wasn't going to be a major a stadium tour in North America that didn't come through Nashville and then CMA Fest is one of the most unique, successful music festivals in the world. I mean, for, for before they even announce their lineup, they sell out. And so there's there is there is built in political will to make that happen, not knowing what the finances look like. And that will be a that will be a big deal if if there's a formal proposal. But baseball, I just think, you know, for all the reasons that the Titan that you want the Titans to work, it's so much harder to give them their 500 million, whatever giving them 500 million means. And then on top of that, a billion dollars or whatever for for a baseball stadium that the Rangers stadium was over a billion dollars. The most recent new MLB facility. One of the differences, and maybe this is this is this is going to be one of the problems here in Nashville, is that under Bud Selig's watch, MLB really put the hammer down on localities to pay for the stadiums. Uh, I mean, if you look at, it's a little bit rosier now that they, that they won a world championship. But if you look at, for instance, the nationals deal and building that stadium in DC, I mean, they held DC hostage uh, and, and, and got the city to pay for, I mean, I think they're on the hook for like seven or $800 million. I mean, I can't imagine the city of Nashville being on the hook for something like that. That just, adds to what somebody who comes in is going to have to you're going to have to stack up between expansion fee operation costs and acquisition costs whether it's whether it's land whether it's you know kind of partners whether it's you know dealing with the city all that is going to stack into a huge number that you're going to need two to three billion dollars in working capital here in order to have a viable mlb kind of kind of entity I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on what the Music City Baseball Group has has pitched formally in terms of how the financing from their stadium would work. But what they've at least alluded to, if not offer details on, is there would be development, and I think you mentioned this earlier, Steve, but there would be development around the ballpark, and you would do you would want government approval for some sort of like tax increment financing zone where they could take some of the tax state and local tax revenue generated at those other projects and use it to finance a new ballpark. And so it's not like the city under that scenario, it's not like the city is like spending money on a ballpark instead of schools per se. That doesn't mean those are good deals for the city. And I know that like critics a lot smarter than me have scrutinized those deals and proved that they're not, but like something like that makes it a little bit less risky than like the way that the the way the city built the titans and and predators what became the predators facilities but yeah i mean the braves cost a lot less they did an entertainment district type proposal that used tax financing uh to help pay for it that's the way they're these things are done now they're extremely expensive no matter 
no matter how you try to market it, they're very expensive and the taxpayers end up having to help somehow. It's interesting because I think the analog for the Titan stadium is going to be what, what they did with hard rock in Miami. And that was a $350 million deal in 2015. So they left the, they left the hall of that stadium. They did, they, they altered some seating. They put in uh, like a partially covered roof. They added all sorts of amenities and did other things and which would be very attractive, I think, to, to, to what Titans ownership wants to do. So add inflation and, you know, five years cost. And so you're, let's just call it $400 million. And whether it's the, the team or the city or some combination or whatever, you're, you're talking about a massive deal here for a renovation. I think you're exactly right. You know, the, once you start to think about what, what that number would be for MLB, it's going to be even bigger. If I can just make one point that uh, just occurred to me that's a little abstract. You know, when the, when the Predators ownership group saved the team from moving with David Freeman, there was a period where there were just so many questions about their business dealings. I think that they needed to improve the way they're standing in the community. And this is on the business side behind closed doors. And what they did was they hired two of the uh, top executives in uh, Sean Henry and Jeff Kogan. And those guys, they didn't just book more concerts and run the facility more efficiently. They improved the way this franchise was perceived in the city. They, that took a lot of work, man. I mean, they had to change the way that the sports authority, who's their landlord, just talked about their franchise. And it isn't getting quite as much attention. And so maybe, maybe someone needs an enterprising story, uh, reporter needs to do a story about it. The Titans have quietly done the same thing over the last couple of years. They've got uh, two uh, really sharp, younger executives in Burke Nihill and Gil Beverly, who are uh, uh, among a, a team of, of uh, Adolfo Birch, also Nashville native, has been added as a top executive there. So they are they have the right people in place, I think, to improve their uh, standing in the community. I think there was some work to do there uh, going back a few years, and they're, they're doing it. And so those relationships are really important. The relationships that John Ingram brought to the table to make the SC project work are really important. And uh, one thing, it you know, when people talk about, you know, John Lohr from Music City Baseball being an outsider, it's not it's not so much that we're an insular community and we we reject people moving here. I mean, we've had multiple mayors who aren't original Nashville, aren't Nashville natives, you know, achieve political success. It's that he doesn't have the connections that are necessary or that built-in goodwill or just like the name recognition uh, that that those other franchises had or had to rebuild. And that's a big deal. I, I don't know about you you guys, but because uh, I know you know those folks on the sports side, Braden and Steve, you know them on the political side, but like that's really important. And uh, I, that's another deficit that Music City Baseball has to make up if they want their project to be successful. It's interesting, the, the sort of rebranding of Predators. It's as simple as changing your uniforms. You know, I think Amy, Amy Adams-Strunk has been undergoing the rebranding of the Tennessee Titans within the marketplace for a while, but I don't think they can finish that deal until they actually provide their consumers with a really extraordinary experience at the stadium. And right now you can't even literally get in, you know, non-pandemic times it's impossible to get into the building uh and just literally so i guess my, my last question here and, and i can't have any more mixed use tax subsidized uh conversations without my body going into convulsions so let's let's just leave it with this 
what is the thing that you would see come across the ticker or report that fans of baseball in this city should sit up in their chair and go, oh, oh, that that's 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 the piece of news I needed to see. So what what is that that people need to look for? Bill Haslam saying he wants to bring baseball to Nashville. I mean, he's got the political connections, obviously, being the former governor. He's got the money to make it work. You know, he's from a family that owns the Browns and and it took time, but turned around that franchise. If someone like that joins the cause, then I, as a reporter, start to believe that this could happen. Until someone like that joins the cause, there are just too many political, financial, and just logistical obstacles to make me think that it's legitimate. So not John Rich. <laughs> not unless he wins the lottery. And whatever he does uh, financially, he's going to be $10,000 short because I know he owes <laughs> music writer in town $10,000 for a certain presidential election bet. That's exactly right. <laughs> Adam Gold, come on down. Time yeah, to collect. Baby. Uh, Nate, man, thank you so much uh, for giving us some of your time. I, I know as a Cubs fan, you'd love to see Theo Epstein come to town. Uh, I'm a baseball fan. I'd love to see it in town, but I, I obviously, I understand the, the, the hurdles and it sounds like the advice you're giving people is let's just wait until there's somebody sort of more legitimate attached to this from a financing standpoint, some actual decisions made from the city's office and an actual geographic location. So basically all of the things still have to be figured out for baseball to come to town. Nate, thank you, my friend. We do appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks, Nate. Special thanks to Nate Rao of TennesseeLookout.com, of course. By the way, check out The Lookout. They do unbelievable work. Great reporters covering the city of Nashville. Um, and obviously, this is a guy who's a huge sports fan, but is a political reporter and news reporter. And has a he's just sort of uniquely situated at this cross-section of politics, metro, government, news, and sports and business all in one, the same place. And, and again, if you go down the checklist of all the things, Steve, that you need to have to actually legitimately set up a, a chance to bring baseball to Nashville, you could put five or six things on that list. And we just talked about all of them. And I'm not sure they have a single one of them checked off except for fancy PR firm. They got logos. They, they got have that. They got merch. They've got. <laughs> you can buy a, a, a hat to keep your ears warm though. I'm, I'm sure you can. They, they just, they just don't. You know, I think it's a couple of things. One, Nate's a hell of a reporter. He's one of my favorite reporters here in town and knows this stuff inside and out. Second thing is it's worth, when you start thinking about sort of the landscape of sports in Nashville, the NFL is number one. The Titans are number one and will be as long as the Strunk family and, and I mean, it's the Adams family and, and whoever else deigns that franchise to, to, to be here in Nashville. The city, it, the city built them, a, built a stadium. They're going to protect that investment. There's going to be something done to that stadium. After that, I, I don't know how much appetite the city has for spending money on, on sports franchises. And I mean, they just, renegotiated the, the Predators lease out so that they're not paying the Predators anymore. They renegotiated the soccer stadium. We're recording this on a Thursday. They issued the bonds this morning, but they the renegotiation back in February kind of carved out club money from that they were, that they were going to give to the club. So there's not a big appetite for it. And if you look at the, 
you know, what we've paid in stadiums. I mean, cost $300 million to build what is now Nissan Stadium, you know, 20 plus years ago. You know, the arena was, you know, the, the arena was was built for, you know, in triple digits, I think it was a hundred and something million dollars. I want to say like 150, 160, something like that. Yeah. The sound stadium has, has ballooned up over a hundred million dollars. Once you factor in kind of the, the, the overrun and runoff costs, you know, the soccer stadium, they're going to spend, I think the numbers like 30 to 40 million in infrastructure around the stadium, you know, streets and sewer and, and all that stuff. But that they also have the, the city owns the fairgrounds property there as well. Whatever number they would pay for baseball, it's down, to, it's down to zero now is less than that. So somebody has to bring all of that money to the table. And until there's a capital B billionaire attached to it. And, you know, the Haslam's, you know, have been kind of floated out there. There's somebody else that has ties to the area and wants baseball here. Great. Come spend a billion dollars just on a stadium. Right. <laughs> but, the, but the city's not going to pay for it. Yeah, I think that that is the key. The barn door is closed. By the way, ratings and recs coming up uh, a little bit in just a few minutes here. But I do think the big takeaway from this, for, for at least for me personally, as a big baseball fan, is I am not against this happening. I am against how it could happen, and I am questioning the legitimacy of where we are in the process based on the, the coverage in the media and the press releases and the celebrities and the, all the, the stuff that's been tied to it, which is getting people very excited about something that there is very little substance to. So I, I agree. Again, it's not that different of a checklist than what took place with MLS. The, the MLS said you need three things, right? You need a good audience, fans of soccer, a good demographic market. You need a great ownership group and you need a stadium figured out. Yep. And it's not all that different with Major League Baseball. It's more expensive, but it's not all that different. You need to have all these things worked out. And all of the positives of what the Predators and the Titans have meant to the city sort of economically across all platforms is undeniable. And that the same thing could apply to Major League Baseball. So all the reasons are there, like as Nate explained, that, that this is a destination city with to great tourism, that the entertainment district would be great with this ballpark. All that stuff is, is all true, but the city ain't paying for it. <laughs> and, then, yeah. and, and then you got to find land and then you got, you know, like all these things have to happen for it to be legitimate. And we're not anti-baseball. We're just questioning how far down the road this particular effort is. And I think Nate did a good job explaining the details. I think, I think it's something, if you're a fan of a particular sport, you should pay attention to like the motivations behind expansion. So MLS has been on this, it has been on this expansion bench. And one of the reasons why is they have lined up every single possible TV rights to be, to expire in 2022 at the moment that they are expanding to 30 to 30 teams. They have tried to build this footprint out all over the entire nation so they could build this big valuable property and maximize the maximize the TV rights for it because that that is a that is a huge revenue stream for that league. Why would Major League Baseball want to expand right now? And that's the question you have to ask if you're a fan. The problem is is right now there's you know a multi-billion dollar hole blown in in all of these owners' budgets because of COVID and the lack of ability to put fans in the in the stadiums for two years. If expansion were to magically arise right now and it had you know a $750 million or more billion dollar expansion tag to it. Nashville would be getting in or whoever would be getting in because you're, they're trying to offset somebody else's losses. It, That's not healthy for the league. It's not healthy for yeah, like inflated, lots of different things. It's like buying, re, it's, it's a buyer's market, right? Like it's right. a, it's like real estate. You're coming in when costs are very, very high. The Seattle Kraken, I believe paid $650 million 
to the NHL to be in. So with baseball being a far bigger property than the NHL, you can understand and kind of guess why that billion dollar tag is what Nate and everybody sort of seems uh, is the real thing. So again, if a billionaire steps in, all of a sudden there's a press release, boom, very interested, very different. If all of a sudden a piece of land has been negotiated somehow and it's, you know, everybody's like, there's, there's, there's things to watch and to be excited about should they happen. None of those things have happened yet. So we'll just leave it at that. We'll move on to ratings and recs. Thank you to Nate Rao for joining us today. I think he did a brilliant job. So recommendations coming up in just a second. TV ratings, Titans, Jaguars, shockingly, 25.2. Not even a good, interesting football game, frankly. Uh, but Derrick Henry was was certainly a big story there. 25.2. Steelers, Bills, number two, 13.7. Saints, Eagles, 13.2. That was Jalen Hurts versus Taysom Hill, I believe. <laughs> it's, it's the long-awaited uh, Jalen Hurts, Taysom Hill matchup. Jalen Hurts looks better than I anticipated. Uh, Bills 49ers 11.1. That was from the previous Monday. And then the Patriots and Rams uh, on Thursday, 10.7. I was was hoping to see a Steelers-Ravens Wednesday afternoon at 3 o'clock, but it didn't (laughs) didn't crack the ratings. I thought that was interesting. The big story here, though, of course, and this was making the rounds on social media, was the UT Vanderbilt game finished 8th with a 5.4 rating. Again, all this courtesy of Mark Binda of News Channel 5, each rating point worth about 11,000 homes. That is down, I want to say it was like 110,000 viewers down from last year. So that's about eight or nine points. You were talking about a 13 or a 14 last year on this game. And now, now you're talking about a 5.4. Well, and, and you know, those are just two bad teams limping into nothingness. The game had already been moved once. It's, it's just all a mess. I mean, I think Tennessee and Vanderbilt fans are ready to be on to basketball and voted with their TVs. The best basketball team in the SEC, the Tennessee Volunteers. Uh, uh, that team's packed. They, they are fun to watch on defense, man. All right, so recommendations. You, you have the floor, sir. By the time you listen to this, it's going to be hard to do a little Christmas shopping, but I had been down a rabbit hole trying to find something unique for a buddy of mine. Uh, Stephen Godfrey of SB Nation had recommended a couple of things to me, uh, and I ended up buying off of a couple of different sites, one of which is Homefield, which uh, Godfrey and, and the, the po- those podcast guys have been pimping for years. It's, it's a great site, and they have like a lot of if – you're, if you're an SEC fan in particular, they have a lot of like really cool retro kind of stuff. Like their Auburn gear is fantastic because they use this old Tiger – logo that is just amazing but but well where if you if you have a sports fan in your life home field and then uh the other one i never know how to if, if i'm saying homage or homage uh i say homage homage uh makes it sound, because i because i feel better when i say it like that makes it sound french uh we oui, oui. uh homage has has a lot of great stuff and then the third one is uh junk food clothing uh and <laughs> And and they have like they have all these kind of like great throwback stuff. I was trying to find, just trying to find something really new and interesting. And so, if you haven't if you haven't finished your shopping and you got a sports fan, check out one of those. Uh, you're I'm, you're sure to find something that you're really gonna like and will really make them happy on Christmas morning. Man, now I have like three different recommendations I want to throw out there. Because shout out to, of course, Hang TN, the great guys over at oh, Hang yeah. TN that do great work. Uh, really good sports Christmas gift idea, Princeton Replays. Well, so the, so I didn't say Princeton Replay because I, I hadn't bought from them this year. But the Princeton Replay guys, it's so cool. are, I mean, they're just like some of the best guys. And, and really good, really good folks too. Hunter 
uh, and those guys are just turn stuff around really quickly. My parents went to Valparaiso, Steve, and they have something for them. Oh, wow. I got my dad. Oh, the, they have the my they, dad the Bryce Drew. They the have the Bryce, Bryce Drew, Drew shot against Ole Miss in '98. I got him that photo like five years ago, and he's got it framed in his office. So Princeton, Princeton replay. The, the The big thing they do is the the shirts that are like diagrams of plays. Yep. So there was a there was a I think what their bestseller from a couple of years ago was the kick six play. I think there's one on your wall in the in there in is. the studio. Yep. I've got a T Martin. To, to, peerless peer, price. to peerless price touchdown yeah. catch on the background they've got just so much you know obviously the music city miracle so much so much cool stuff the miracle on ice they got like the landon donovan run i believe against what algeria right so they've got Al- like algeria in the uh in the 2010 world cup yep yep uh, i was at bonnaroo for that game so just a lot of really cool stuff that was not what i was going to recommend uh and now my recommendation feels a little weak Wow. <laughs> so my recommendation is because last week on the show I, we, we, I, did, I talked about a TV show basically at its dumbest form <laughs> Cult- cultural television cinema at its worst possible form now I think I'm going to go the other direction and I have one complaint about the show but otherwise I think it's fantastic um, I think all the people that are playing 13 and 14 year olds are clearly like 27 year olds that, that part bothers me so we hated that part of it but other than that Queen's Gambit is exceptional Oh, it is exceptional. Now, you told me that bowling and golf were not really sports. I'm assuming you're going to say that chess is not a sport either. I might have said that before Queen's Gambit. But now you're it is it is hands down one of the five best things you'll see this year. The music, the scores are beautiful. Uh, it, it is also I love time period stuff like that, where you're going back to like 1960 and you're seeing how big one of the things that stood out to me, Steve, is they this the, the girl who's this chess dynamo walks into this drugstore in like the 60s and on the newsstand there's the magazine stand there's like 10 magazines and one of them is chess review and i'm going chess was that big in the 60s <laughs> and i looked at my wife and i said this is th- the lack of chess in our lives is an indication of our devolution as as a human species like the fact that chess is disappearing from our lives is that we are all just getting dumber. That, that's what I'm convinced of watching the show. It's beautiful. It's awesome. We did create the inter- internet in the interim. So that, that's true. It, it is a, there's so much there, there with the show. Uh, she's an orphan. She's a, a substance abuse, you know, like there's so much stuff involved in it. And it's a, uh, it's a brilliant show. Uh, we are like three episodes in. It is fantastic. My only complaint is if you're going to do an entire show about, teenagers maybe try to make them look like they are actually that age like she Um, looks like she's 29 years old and i think (laughs) like it's just it's ridiculous it's just it's really really excellent there's so many angles to the story Uh, again the main actress the main character um harman is 13 years old in the second episode and is 24 years old in real life i go just get like an 18 year old to play just make it more believable you know what i mean like just make it more believable. That's all. Otherwise, everything is exceptional. Great recommendation. Watch the show. It's awesome. Yep. Fantastic. All right. There's your rating and ratings and recs for the week. Uh, obviously, special thanks to Nate Rao for hanging out with us as well. Vanderbilt, let Chris Lee in. Hashtag let Chris Lee in. Steve Cavendish. Hashtag free Chris Lee. Free Chris Lee. Uh, of course, uh, follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. Follow me on Twitter at Scavendish. Who knows? I might, uh, I might call your favorite team a Ponzi scheme. rate review and subscribe share the show just tell one person we do appreciate it for steve cavendish my name is braden gall thank you all for listening this has been lamestream sports on the 440 sports network